Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are back on the air here on Turpulence here at WMUC Sports. I am your host, Jack White, alongside my partner in crime, George Shalloway, here on December 29th. George, the year of 2020, the year of horror, is finally beginning to wind down. I got to ask to start the show, what were your highlights of 2020? Well, sports-wise, I can give you those highlights. And with this being a Maryland show, I can give you three of my favorite Maryland sports moments from this year. The first one I'm going to go in chronological order has to be when Maryland hosted college game day against Michigan State. And I was able to attend that. And that was awesome with, you know, Jay Billis and Scott Van Pelp showed up and Alfonso Ellis and the whole thing from getting there, you know, at 6 a.m. and the freezing cold one was still dark to, you know, later than 12 hours when there was actual tip off for the seven o'clock start. That was a really, really cool day. Uh, so that's going to be number one in order. And two will definitely be Maryland playing the other team from Michigan when they played Mar- when they played uh, when Maryland played Michigan, excuse me, and Maryland men's were able to win their first Big Ten men's share of the Big Ten regular season because obviously there was no postseason tournament and it was Anthony Cowan's senior day and the last time that you know Jalen Smith played in a Maryland jersey and they were able to cut down the nets and that was a really really cool time and the third one has to be. Definitely the win of the football season when Maryland football demolished Penn State up in Beaver Stadium to really solidify Maryland as having a acceptable season. I won't say great season. I won't say good season. It's an acceptable season. And that was obviously, you know, when Maryland was finally starting to peak without COVID. Because then the following week, you know, the Ohio State game got canceled with 23 players out. And I think that really helped um, show that, you know, the rest of Turp Nation that locks has a vision and that things are trending up because especially after last year's disappointing three-win season, there there seems to be hope, especially with his recruiting class. At no, for 19 sure. I completely right agree. Now. I completely agree. I think, I mean, it wasn't one of my top three, but I was very excited what I saw from Turp football this year. I think there's a lot of promise and a lot to look forward to in 2021 as locks and uh, the boys get ready for another season. But for me, you know, the highlights for me of 2021 was just, you know, a nice job by a majority of professional organizations being able to get players and coaches on the field for people like you and I to just sit back on our couch and get to enjoy sports, Um, getting to watch. I know the Washington Nationals, the Washington football team, the Wizards right now, um, even a little bit at the end of the 2020 season. Uh, along with the Washington Capitals and getting to watch those teams for me was definitely something to not take for granted because I had nothing else going on. So it was definitely something I really, really enjoyed. Uh, In regards to Maryland, without question, um, having Jalen Smith drafted in the top 10, uh, that was something to be very, very proud of. Uh, It made me even feel good as a Terp just to get to kind of be part of that experience. I had nothing to do with it. Had nothing to do with his journey in the slightest. Want to make that clear, but it was really cool that he is uh, part of Terp Nation. He got drafted in the top ten in this year's draft, so that was really cool to see. And not to mention, I got to be honest, something that um, I thought was a pretty big highlight in my eye was head coach Ron Rivera for the Washington Football Team being diagnosed with cancer and coaching through that cancer. Um, and beating that cancer. I think that's the most important thing to mention. 
it, it, that was something really cool to watch because I know he wasn't at every practice for, you know, at least a month. And he had defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio kind of take the reins for him on certain days. And there'd be certain games if you really, really paid attention on game day um, while watching on TV. He he couldn't even stand. He was sitting on the end of the bench um, trying to coach, you know, through his through his mic, uh, along with his other coaches upstairs in the booth. So that was something very inspirational that I enjoyed getting to watch his journey. I'm glad he's conquered it with an opportunity to make the playoffs come Sunday night. And we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit more, but I'm looking forward to what 2021 has to bring. I know COVID's not going to just vanish overnight on January 1st. So there's still a lot to be done, but I'm looking forward to seeing what the sports world has in store for all of us. Now, before we dive into NFL playoff scenarios, I want to kind of reference that, you know, the Terps uh, basketball, George, had a pretty, pretty, pretty big win last night. A pretty big win. And before we get into that win, that kind of segues me into my Terrapin trivia question for you, my friend. Today's trivia question, now for those of you just tuning in, I'm a big fat ofer. I'm like Shaq from the free throw line. George is shooting at a solid, I'd say around like 60, 65% on the season. And I, I really, I'm going to, he already told me before the show too, folks, he's probably going to give me a gimme next week. Cause I, I need one. I need, I need like a three footer. I need like a gimme inside the stripe putt. I need one of those. I need, I just got to get the ball rolling. But this week's trivia question for George, George, last night, the Maryland Terrapins men's basketball team beat number six, Wisconsin on the road. When is the last time the Maryland Terrapins have gone on the road and beaten a top 10 team. I am in this question. I am only looking for the team. If you can give me the year, that is a double bonus, but I am only looking for the team. Okay. I'll think about it throughout the show. All right. Fantastic. So we are going to dive right in here and talk about that Maryland Wisconsin game last night, George, the Terps without question, this was their best game of the season. They were 5-3 and three coming into this game. It almost seemed like a must-win. Definitely the hardest opponent going in. Best team in the Big Ten. They shot 65% from the field in the second half alone. What do you think was their key to success in kind of maintaining that, you know, tirelessness and kind of team mentality in the second half to beat the Badgers? Well, a couple things. First of all, I'm glad that they won this game because you and I both predicted in our – show a couple weeks ago that this was going to be Maryland's first stumble and clearly that didn't happen. So I guess we got to say they're going to lose a little more often. So they'll, so they'll win. But I know I'm, will, I'm willing to take a few L's if they get the dubs, that's fine with me. Exactly. Uh, but I definitely think that something that this game that they showed, that they haven't shown in a lot of other games has been their energy on the bench, their energy playing fast and, they got off to a fast start. You know, they weren't scoring a lot. They were also getting a lot of defensive stops. And that's something that Maryland basketball is known for. They're known for their defense. And they were able to bring that. They didn't bring in their 2-2-1 trap until the second half. They didn't have to because they were keeping it close. And that's something that, you know, is really good. When you're able to just man up and, you know, say we're the better team and just play straight up man like they were doing in the beginning and then switching over to their 3-2 zone like they did – that's fine. You know, that's exactly what you want. Another thing, Chole finally, definitely, in my opinion, had his best game of the season. It was fantastic because Iowa, or sorry, it's not Iowa, excuse me, uh, Wisconsin 
they have some big guys, you know, Micah Potter, Nate Reavers. These are seven footers, six eleven guys. And if you're playing small ball with, you know, Galen Smith at, you know, six nine and you know Jerry's Hamilton at six eight, Dante Scott, six seven, six six, it's gonna be very difficult. So you need your seven two man to go in there and not just get bullied. And he didn't get bullied last night. He had shot blocks. He was able to shoot it from three. It would have been a three pointer if he didn't have that foot on the line, you know, with his with his shoe size, it was a little bit harder for him to miss it, and he accidentally got his foot on the line. But <laughs> when he's able to, to shoot and stretch the floor, that, that's a really, really dangerous weapon. If you have someone 7'2 with a 7'11 wingspan able to knock it down from three, you can't defend that. So if Maryland can keep that up and keep Chol healthy and let him get more minutes, that'll be very, very important. And something they were able to do more successfully than they did against the Purdue game was convert from the charity stripe. It still wasn't a pretty game. They were still missing, but they did not miss nearly as many as Wisconsin did. And that was Wisconsin's problem. If Wisconsin made their free throws, Maryland wouldn't have won that game. It would have been a completely different situation as to what happened. But Maryland was able to convert when they needed to. When they got into the one-and-one bonuses at the end when they were getting fouled, Ayala, Dante Scott, Aaron Wiggins were all able to make their free throws, which is something that I'm sure Coach Turd stressed to them because you can't be 10 from 21 from the charity stripe like they were against Purdue and expect to win. And when they had a heartbreaking loss against Purdue and, you know, you left 11 points out on the table just through that, it'll definitely cause a lot of guys to lose sleep, especially Daryl Morsell, who had the chance to make those two at the end to tie it up. And as you've said, when you've been able to speak with him and the other guys on the team with their unfinished business, that's definitely unfinished to leave those points out there. And they didn't do that against Wisconsin. That could have been the difference maker. But again, they get another top 25 opponent, Michigan. That one's going to be at the Xfinity Center. And if they can continue to bring this momentum with a huge road win against the best team in the Big Ten, who were also co-champions last year, that'll be really, really big for this team and for the momentum going to 2021. And there's no question, you know, you mentioned the Purdue game. What they did against Wisconsin that they didn't do against Purdue, they played to their opponent. They came into this game knowing that they had the potential and the talent to win. And they got guys like Chole more involved. And it kind of seemed like night and day because we didn't see that in the first eight games. He came out and he was involved. You started to see the leadership with Ayala and Morcel on the bench and on the court. Ayala was lighting it up from all areas on the court in the second half. He really uh, took, you know, command of that guard position and it was really fun to watch. And, you know, I hope to see this as the season progresses. And I really think that wind is going to be the beginning of a really, really big win streak for this Terp team, especially with a couple ranked opponents coming up and the big tens not to be taken lightly george you referenced before we went live on the air there are nine teams in the big 10 that are ranked that is more than the pac-12 the sec and the acc combined that is the best conference in basketball and we kind of joked around a little bit how it used to be a little different back in the day you know the acc they still are but used to really dominate basketball but Things have changed over the years, and the Big Ten is really, really owning the NCAA in regards to basketball, which is why 
I'm really, really hopeful that there is a March Madness tournament because it would be really interesting to see down the stretch come like the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. How many Big Ten teams are we actually going to see, or is this kind of like a fluke? Well, I, I don't think it's a fluke. Last year also, and don't forget also, Indiana's receiving votes this, this week. So it's really like 10 in the top 30, 35. So that's insane. Um, and who knows, maybe Maryland will be receiving votes. They can also beat Michigan, another top 25 team, beat two top 25 teams in the same week. They'll definitely be receiving votes. So it's, it's really interesting how um, good this Big Ten is, and it's just so, it's such a deep conference this week and, or this year. I mean, you could look at what happened last night. Michigan State goes up to Minnesota, gets crushed. It wasn't even close. It was a blowout. They lost by over 20 points up in the barn and you know Michigan State is a king of of Big Ten basketball and Minnesota has been pretty good uh they lost you know uh, to Sumu who was uh drafted um last uh, what was that a couple of weeks ago now uh, and he was a second round pick but um who knows this is crazy um and I'm just really excited to see what happens um, with with what goes on for the rest of the season. But, you know, it's not just now, and it's not just the, the March Madness. It's also going to be the Big Ten tournament because seating, just throw it out the window because on neutral courts, who knows what to expect. Exactly. I completely agree, especially with fans not exactly being an impact this year. So I, I think it can go either way, no matter who Maryland's opponent is. At this point, it's just take it one game at a time. And same goes for the Lady Terps, who will also be taking the floor tomorrow night up at Penn State, taking on the Nittany Lions, who are 3-2, and two, taking on the number 14 Maryland Terrapins, who sit at 5-1 and one on the season. Now, George, just really fast, want to get your quick takes on what do you think Maryland needs to do to get their second Big 10 win of the season and their sixth win overall. Well, I'm not saying they need to continue shooting, you know, 60% from three, but if they can keep that three point shot going, they can't be stopped. Um, Again, without, you know, Angel Reese and what she possesses, you got to rely on, you know, the other, I mean, Katie Benzin, you got to rely on her with her expertise and her leadership. Uh, Chloe Bibby, you got to rely on, um, I'm trying to think, Diamond Miller. All of your go-to players have to step up. Again, Penn, Penn State doesn't like Maryland. Maryland doesn't like Penn State. It'll be a, a tough game. But you got to, I mean, I, I think Maryland has the edge up there, um, but, but we'll see. But again, if they can keep that three-point shot falling, they're not going to lose. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've seen it all season long. I think when Maryland is executing on the long ball, they're unstoppable. They can't be beaten. And I think that focuses on uh, mainly Diamond Miller and Katie Benson without question. I mean, that's their role. And I also like to see, you know, that balance also on the other end of the floor uh, with Faith Masonones along with Chloe Bibby and their paint defense. They do such a good job in playing nitty gritty, not going out there for the stats but doing a good job and holding teams to not being able to execute at the other end, which is why Maryland has done an incredible job in outscoring their opponents tremendously this season. 
they've scored in three games, they've scored over a hundred points just this season alone. One of them was a program record. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on. I think Maryland is without question trending in the right direction. And honestly, George, there was a lot of doubt and skepticism headed into this season, not only because of COVID, but the Terps lost some pretty big names. And some were wondering who was going to step up. And Brenda Freeze really, really honed in on that now sophomore class. They've all been producing this year. Well, don't forget to mention Ashley Awosu either. I mean, her jump shot is as smooth as it gets. I mean, she is a great point guard, does a great job commanding the floor, captaining her team. And really, she she knows the right moments to be selfish and unselfish. She's great at uh, visualizing the floor, being able to see where all of her teammates are, getting back on defense. She does all the right things which is what I think is the biggest thing about this Maryland team. They're unselfish. When they play unselfish ball, they win. When they tend to get wrapped up in the, you know, things that really don't matter as much or tend to get, you know, a little greedy from deep and try to go for those, you know, unnecessary shots, that's when things start to go a little wry and they might, you know, end up losing, you know, a game they should have won originally. So I, I definitely got Maryland tomorrow night on New Year's Eve. I have them going to six and one, uh, two and zero oh in the Big Ten, and I think it's going to be an exciting one. George, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's not only a Big Ten rivalry; these two teams hate each other. They never have liked each other. Um, I think there will be a little chippiness, and I think both sides will uh, are definitely, excuse me, really excited for this one tomorrow night. And you know, it's going to be interesting, and I'm looking forward to it. So from the court to the NFL. Okay, George, let's, let's, let's break this down. So folks, we're headed into week 17 of the NFL season. A lot has happened in 16 weeks, and we're not going to bore you to tears with that. However, George, there has a lot in our area that has happened in just about 24 hours. Dwayne Haskins, first round pick in 2019, 15th overall, yesterday was released by the Washington football team. Ron Rivera called him into his office. It was a mutual understanding. I'm pretty sure not only the fans saw it coming, I'm pretty sure during the Carolina game, he knew it was coming. Um, and it almost seemed like that. They did multiple cutaways to him during the game. He seemed just unengaged, not focused. Taylor, Taylor Heineke was more engaged on the sideline and, and clearly in the game. Um, and I look forward to getting your thoughts on how, uh, Heineke's play as well. But overall, George, what are your thoughts on the release of Dwayne Haskins? D did he deserve to be on the team for at least another week? Should he have stayed another year? Give him the opportunity offseason. You can cut him then. Like, what were your thoughts when you saw it all go down? Well, I, I felt badly uh, for him. I think this was a really unfortunate situation. I mean, he's the all-time um, – quarterback in the Big Ten for touchdown passes in a season. He was the Big Ten quarterback of the year. He was the Big Ten offensive player of the year. He beat Maryland in the nail-biter in College Park when uh, Ohio State was taken to overtime and we went for two and Terrell Pigram missed the throw. I'm sure Dwayne Haskins would have made that throw. So I, I have – I mean, I have no problems with his performance up to this point. I mean, even in high school when – my high school played against school played against school played against him, played against him. Jake line. You know, I said, good luck at Maryland next year. Cause he was still a Maryland commit, a Maryland commit at the time. So, I mean, Dwayne Haskins, I mean, he was the number, you know, 91 player in the country coming out of high school. He was the number 
you know, six or seven quarterback. And you look at the people ahead of him, Shea Patterson, you know, was the five-star number one quarterback prospect that year, went to Ole Miss, transferred to Michigan. He's a bust. You know, KJ Costello was ahead of him. You know, he went to Stanford, transferred to Mississippi State. His future's unknown. Felipe Franks was ahead of him, went to Florida, transferred to Arkansas. Who knows what's going to happen with him? He was one of the few to actually make it to the league. And I'm telling you, he he got put in a really bad situation because when he was picked number 15 overall by the, at that time, Washington Redskins, he was the future. Everyone was excited. I remember talking to you, asking if you're going to buy his Jersey, all these things, he was going to be the great hero. He was the first, you know, first round quarterback drafted since RG three by the Washington franchise. So there was a lot of hope with him to see him get, cut on the week before you need to win the game to go to the playoffs with an uncertain Alex Smith relying now on Taylor Heineke is one thing, but how do you, I just have to know what, honestly, I don't, I personally think it was wrong to cut him now because you got nothing for him. You wait to the off season. You, you just let him do his thing at least, now the morale in the locker room, I don't know what they're thinking, the rest of the players. They know it's a business, but that's still a friend of theirs. He was a captain up until this week, and now he's just gone clearing out his locker. That's got to be weird. I don't think that Dwayne Haskins was given a great opportunity. Um, between Gruden getting fired or midway through his rookie campaign to Coach Rivera with Scott Turner bringing in a whole completely new system, it's got to also – feel weird for him knowing that, you know, Rivera's bringing also in Kyle Allen, who was his guy down in Carolina the year before that. Then he brings in Heineke for the practice squad, who also was with him down in Carolina. It always feels like he had a target on his back. And I understand that in the NFL, it's a business. And unless you're, you know, one of five or six quarterbacks that make it to their second contracts with the guaranteed 70, 80, $90 million, you're then their guy, you're the franchise quarterback. And, Haskins wasn't that. He never got to that second contract. He didn't even finish his second season with the team. And he has all the talent to play in the league. Does he have the right attitude? There's been reports that he doesn't. There's been reports that he's, you know, not the best uh, when it comes to those private conversations and everything. But I I just got to think that Dwayne Haskins, I believe, if Alex Smith can't go, still puts them in a better position than Taylor Heineke does. I understand that Taylor Heineke had a very good last five minutes of the game. He put up all those great stats. However, let's be honest, you're talking about a team that was down two possessions with less than five minutes left against a Carolina defense that was, you know, kicking the butt of the Washington offense all game long. They knew they had it in the bag. You can't rely on a practice squad player to completely just dot up the defense, especially without Terry McLaurin. I mean, they were, they were basically crippled that offense. So yes, he played well, but it was, it was meaningless. It was garbage time during the fourth quarter. And yeah, he looked good, but against the Eagles who don't like the Washington football team on Sunday night, primetime football, you know that they want to spoil this for Washington. You don't want them to go to the playoffs. This is their time to shine on national television with Jalen Hurts to show that he's the real deal. So I have I want to say that Washington will pull this one out but I mean they looked shell-shocked from the start of 
kickoff on Sunday against Carolina. Clearly there were distractions, and this is just another distraction. And they lost a friend, a teammate, and a former captain before the season. They get nothing for this other than dead cap space. They could have gotten a, a draft pick for him. I mean, look, I thought personally that last year when the WFT traded Trent Williams to get just a fifth-round draft pick was terrible for an all-pro left tackle, but they get nothing for a 23-year-old quarterback who's a first-round draft pick in Dwayne Haskins, and that's just terrible. So now it looks like they're going to have to go out in free agency to solidify the quarterback for next year and probably get one in the draft in the next two years. So we'll see. I personally, as you can tell, I'm not a big fan of the decision. I think that, yeah, he probably had to go, but not week 17 when you're trying to go to make a playoff run. Win and you're in, and this is just a big distraction. But I really want to hear what you have to think. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think a lot on this topic. Personally, I respect your argument, but I disagree. I think what Ron Rivera did, he got rid of the distraction. I agree with what you're saying in regards to, you know, he's a friend of some of the guys on the team, obviously. He at one point had a C on his jersey. But the bottom line is, to put it politely, he's not ready. He has made some poor decisions on and off the field throughout this season. I'm very aware he's taken the mature step to uh, address the media and go out publicly on social media to apologize for those mistakes. The biggest way you can apologize to your teammates and your coaches and guys in the box upstairs is by going out and performing well in winning football games. He has not done that. He won one game this season, and it was week one against Philadelphia. And, yeah, I mean, it was a good win. We were down 17, nothing at half, and he came back, put up 27 points. It was fantastic. You know, I'm, I think I can say for the both of us, I'm sure we were both very happy at that moment. But the bottom line is that I believe getting rid of Haskins was smart. I already know it's been announced today. He's already on the free agent market, so he's available to all NFL teams right now. I just don't think he's ready for this 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 league, this level of play yet. And he, a perfect guy to compare him to is someone like Chase Young. Chase Young, not only did he take that C away from Dwayne Haskins, Chase Young all year long since he's been drafted is up and down the sidelines, talking to his coaches, talking to his teammates, getting everyone riled up. He's performing on the field. He is a front runner for rookie of the year, if not at least defensive rookie of the year. And he's a guy, he's a guy that builds the energy. He's a guy that changes the complexion of a game. Dwayne Haskins doesn't scare anybody. Dwayne Haskins played in two games to end the season against Seattle and Carolina. Started, I should be more specific. He turned the ball over six times in those two games. Now, I'm not going to compare him to Taylor Heineke because I agree with you, George. It's an incredibly small sample size. The score was 20 to 6 at the time he came in the game. Now, yeah, I mean, can I throw out there, you know, if, you know, Schweitzer wasn't called for that holding to that touchdown pass to Logan Thomas, would we have tied it and it could have gone to overtime? Sure. But that didn't happen. That did not happen. Let's not play the shoulda, coulda, woulda game. That did not happen. Heineke did the best he could. Great. Now, Come this Sunday against Philadelphia, would I be comfortable with Taylor Heineke playing? Yeah, I would. Because I I saw enough from him in a game scenario, and you can't go out and practice and replicate anything that you would be able to get out of an in-game situation. And from what I saw from Taylor Heineke against the Panthers, 
I think he's good enough to go out there with a strong running game and Antonio Gibson, Peyton Barber, J.D. McKissick, all three of those different, you know, ground and pound type backs. And we obviously were uncertain about the health of Terry McLaurin. He, he's obviously a huge, huge part of this offense. So I'm praying, oh, I'm, I'm sure we're along other Washington fans as well, that he gets back out there on Sunday night. Um, but I believe we have enough talent offensively I believe our receivers are good enough, good enough. They're not great. They're not amazing, but they're good enough to go out there and put up enough numbers to help Heineke. And I saw enough too that Haskins doesn't even, not even Alex Smith George provides. What I saw, he is mobile. Taylor Heineke is mobile with the ball. He runs around and he communicates with his receivers while he's in the pocket and tells them where to go, what to do. And he makes quick decisions on a whim. Neither one of our quarterbacks do that. The one beautiful thing about Alex Smith and the difference between Dwayne Haskins, obviously there's a lot of differences between the two men, but Alex Smith is a game manager and he protects the football. Think about it. Washington lost 20 to 15 to Seattle. Dwayne Haskins threw two interceptions in Seattle territory. Think about that. Washington lost 20 to 13, only a touchdown game. I'm very aware when that touchdown came toward the end of the game, there was about, you know, two and a half minutes left. But they lost 20 to 13. Haskins turned the ball over four times through three interceptions. So the bottom line is you got, in order to make the playoffs and in order to be a good football team, you can't turn the football over. And I believe Philadelphia has a bad enough defense, you know, whether you want to make the excuse because of injuries. I mean, I'm very aware a lot of teams have been plagued by the injury bug this year, and Philadelphia happens to be one of them on both sides of the ball, really. I believe we have a talented enough offense and a talented enough defense. It's not going to be easy to shut down Jalen Hurts. He's, he's not the same quarterback as Carson Wentz. He's a lot more mobile, obviously, in obvious ways. But I believe we have a talented enough offense to really fly by that Eagles secondary and really induce them to come up toward the line, get that running game going, get that play action with Alex Smith going. And what we are, too, we're very similar to the Pittsburgh Steelers especially if we see Alex on Sunday night. We're a quick step back, kind of down and out, slant kind of team. Alex Smith is not holding that ball more than two, three seconds every single time he steps back there. We don't see a lot unless it's Terry McLaurin, Washington taking deep shots down the field. Maybe Logan Thomas every once in a while. But the bottom line is they need to stay confident and they need to stick with a consistent, balanced attack against Philadelphia. They didn't do that against Carolina. Antonio Gibson, he was a huge, huge guy to have back in the game. We were running all over that Carolina front seven early. He had nine carries and 67 yards in the first half. They stopped giving him the ball. They just stopped. They completely, it just completely adjusted the game plan in the second half. And some of that's on coaching. Some of that's on Ron Rivera, Scott Turner. So, I mean, there's definitely, there's blame to be put all over the place. But the bottom line is, regards to Dwayne Haskins, I think it was smart. I think finally Washington can have now their eye on the prize. They know exactly what they're playing for. It doesn't matter what happens between Dallas and New York earlier in the day. The bottom line is come 820 on Sunday night, if you win that football game, you will be in the playoffs. That's all that matters. And we have seen this movie before back in 2015. It was not week 17, but it was week 16. Washington went to Philadelphia and beat Philadelphia 38 to 24 to clinch a playoff berth. 
So this we've seen this movie before, and for those who don't know, that was the last time Washington made the playoffs. So we've seen this before. Obviously, it's two very different teams on both sides, both the Eagles and Washington, than they were five years ago. But I really do believe that not having Haskins in the building anymore presents a good problem for Ron Rivera. I think he now can have a little confidence knowing that if Alex can't go, he has someone that was underneath him in Carolina. He knows the offense. He obviously showed that when he came out. I mean, he seemed very comfortable when he came out in the last five minutes there. Put up better numbers than Haskins did in three quarters on two drives. So I definitely think as a fan, though, as a fan, though, I would much prefer Alex. I think we all would. There's a sense of comfort there with Alex Smith on the field, I think. We've seen him uh, not only this year, but, you know, a couple of years back when he came in prior to that awful leg injury. Um, we know what he can do. He protects the ball. He's a game manager. He's a veteran. He knows the game inside and out. His football IQ is off the charts. So without question, I think there's a sense of comfort level for Washington fans if Alex Smith um, is your starter. And as of right now, things are trending that way. But hey, on Friday, Alex had a great practice. He woke up Saturday, didn't feel good at all. So and that's why he didn't play against Carolina. So anything could happen. So the bottom line is, I think without Haskins in, I think that definitely diminishes the drama. And that's why Ron Rivera is here. It's a culture change. It's a process. You got to trust that process. And I think Heineke as your backup, it's something – he's someone you can rely on in terms of knowing the offense and being comfortable out there on the field with some of the guys. And if he does start, he has Alex Smith on the bench to help mentor him throughout the game. And we just can't – the bottom line is we just can't be playing from behind all the time. This can't be one of those games where you go down 17-3 to at halftime because you won't win, especially against a divisional opponent. They're going to want to go out there. I completely agree with you, George. They're going to want to go out there and spoil us and take our lunch money. They're going to want to beat us down really badly. Not to mention, they're looking at a guy. They're still trying to figure out if Jalen Hurts is their franchise guy. Is he really the one? Because he's, he's definitely shown some incredible signs of life. But I don't know. Maybe Jalen Hurts kind of just came back down to reality against Dallas a couple days ago. So it's definitely – Something to keep an eye on. I know both teams are going to be jacked up for the game. Prime time. I'm sure Washington might have got a little uh, extra adrenaline when they saw that after the Carolina loss, knowing that their game had been flexed. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see. I, I wish the best for Dwayne Haskins. Um, I really do hope he gets signed. I really hope he grows off the field, uh, matures. I hope he learned something from this experience. I think that's the most important thing. I hope he learns something and just doesn't see this as a, a lost opportunity because um, I believe if he did learn something from this experience, he will grow. He's going to continue to work and he'll come back better than he was and he'll be able to become a starter, if not at all, a backup on an NFL team. So without question, I wish him the best. I know the Redskins or excuse me, the Washington football team organization wishes him the best, but I think to rebuttal to your comment, George, I think getting rid of Haskins is eliminating the distraction. And I finally, finally think Washington can keep their eye on the prize and focus on what's at stake. Yeah, I think that he had to go. I just didn't like the timing of it. Right now, I think it wasn't the right time, but it's not either one of our calls. Uh, so it, 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 it is what it is at this point. But no, and, and I just think that whatever team – Science Haskins will be a team that actually wants him. I don't think this team really did want him. 
because this isn't the same team that drafted him, even though it is. It's the same franchise. It's not the same coaching staff, not the same front office. Completely different. They clearly had an agenda with the guys that they wanted, and that's why Chase Young was flourishing, because they wanted him. Uh, They didn't want Dwayne Haskins, and I think he got a little bit of a bum rap. But, you know, uh, I think there will be a team that will want him and will be able to develop him. And if he develops as a backup for a couple seasons, he can learn and grow that way. And I still think he has all the talent to do it, to be an NFL quarterback. He has the arm strength. He has the resume from college and everything else. I mean, he still won a Rose Bowl, all these things. Uh, he has the talent. Didn't fit with Washington. Doesn't mean it won't fit in another organization. Absolutely. I mean, it, sometimes, you know, the first piece of the puzzle doesn't always, you know, work out. So I really do think he's going to get an opportunity somewhere else. And it obviously wasn't Washington. Who knows? It could be another team in our division. You never know. I mean, we'll see. We'll see how it shakes out uh, come next year. I don't believe he'll get signed uh, within the next few weeks here. I, I don't think no. a team that will pick him up needs a quarterback right now. So I think he's just going to have to do a little thinking, some self-reflection, figure a few things out as terms, you know, where he will be come next season. But I do want to ask you, George, before we move on, Ron Rivera has been getting a lot, a lot of heat lately. And, you know, he's come in to try and change the culture of this football team. Do you believe Ron Rivera did the right thing in starting Haskins after Haskins charades at what people um, thought was a strip club? He came out and said it was not. But do you think Ron Rivera did the right thing in giving Haskins another opportunity against Carolina and telling the media that we think he gives us the best opportunity to win? Or do you think at that point he had made enough mistakes, he had enough opportunities, and he had just not proven he can't be a starter for this team? No, he had to play. Again, I don't think Taylor Heineke is an NFL starting quarterback. There's no reason to believe that. And plus, he didn't, he, he didn't play before that for this, for this franchise this season. So it's not like you could have said, oh, well, he had that great fourth quarter he didn't have that before this. Alex Smith wasn't able to go. So you're either going with a proven Dwayne Haskins, even though he's not really proven, but he's had a couple career starts, or an unproven Taylor Heineke on this team. You have to go with Haskins because this game, if they won that, would have also playoff berth. So, of course, you had to go with, with Haskins. I don't think that he should have played Heineke. I don't think that Haskins uh, – I mean, it's unfortunate if Alex Smith was healthy, it wouldn't – have made as much of a difference because then Alex Smith would have gotten the start, but it didn't happen that way. But I think he did the right thing starting Haskins this game against Carolina. We couldn't have said, oh, if I told you last week, oh, well, let's just go with Heineke, the third string, you know, practice squad quarterback. Let's start him instead. You would have told me I'm crazy. So yeah, he had a nice last five minutes of the game, but we didn't see that before this. So there's no way that we could have, you know, hindsight 2020, maybe it would have made a difference, but before that, no way would he have made that call. Yeah, I mean, I think I also agree, you know, as someone that definitely thought um, Washington has done a nice job in giving Haskins all the opportunities uh, to go out and prove himself. I think Ron Rivera also did the right thing. We had never seen Taylor Heineke before. All we knew is that he's played under Ron Rivera and didn't even start. You know, he he was just he's familiar with his coaching style, the offense he runs, the schemes he he designs. But the bottom line is I think you have to go with a quarterback that you've seen in in-game scenarios prior, and that's what they did. Did now Ron Rivera wait a little too long to put in Heineke? That's a different story. 
I do believe that um, Ron probably should have put him in start of the third quarter. I think we at that point we had already seen enough mistakes out of Dwayne Haskins. Um, and I think, you know, who knows? I will never know. Once again, won't play the shoulda, coulda, woulda, but Washington might have had enough time on the clock to really make a comeback if Taylor Heineke got that nod at the beginning of the half. So we'll never know. But at the end of the day, I think there, Ron Rivera is not at fault for any of the decisions he's made. He was thrown, to be completely honest with you, into a dumpster fire when he got hired. And he's done a great job adjusting the culture of this team. Um, the coaching staff is completely new. So many different players, so many young faces, so many different leaders have come in from different teams around the NFL. And it's a team that's rebuilding. It's a team that's adjusting. And with saying all this, it's crazy that they have an opportunity to clinch the NFC East come Sunday night and go to the playoffs. It's, it's a kind of a uh, amazing, it's a weird Cinderella story considering they would only be seven and nine entering the postseason, but it's a Cinderella story in my book. Nonetheless, I definitely think Ron Rivera should at least be considered for coach of the year. I think he's gone through a lot and with the team he's had to work with, I do believe there are some other coaches, probably three or four of them that kind of just jump off the top of my head specifically Brian Flores down in Miami that I think will be really highly considered for coach of the year. But Ron Rivera has definitely had his hands full this season with the Washington football team. And I think he's um, made some good decisions and the media is not exactly, you know, all that friendly and all that, you know, all that light here around the DC area. So I think he's done a nice job uh, handling that as well. I agree. I don't think he should be coach of the year personally. I don't, I don't see it. I mean, if you think about the wins that this team has had, let's look at – they beat the Eagles. You know, Carson Wentz now is not the starting quarterback for the Eagles. Uh, lose to the Cardinals. Lose to the Browns. Lose to the Giants on Rivera's call of going for two, by the way. That was his decision. They could have played for overtime, decided against it. So there's that. When they ended up beating the Cowboys, you know, Andy Dalton went down. You had to go to – Ben DiNucci, I believe, was the quarterback that came in. Yep. So they won there without having Dak Prescott, the starting quarterback. Now you're off, out of the backup onto their third-string quarterback. So that win came against the third-string quarterback. When they beat, you know, the Bengals, that was without Joe Burrow because he got hurt that game too. So it was on to that second-string quarterback that had to play. Um, when they played against – I'm trying to think – all uh, it was something crazy about all the quarterbacks that they beat were not the starters this season. Um, I mean, when you, uh, yes, they beat the Steelers. That was big Ben, but let's, let's give them credit for that one. Cause that was by far their best win of the season. Oh, I mean, th um, that's might be by far their best win in the last five years. I mean, that was a team all around win coaching offense, defense. I mean, that was, that was a fun game to watch because Washington beat a good legit football team. I mean, it was, mm -hmm. it was, it was a great all around game, but I completely agree with you. Uh, Washington has run into some games this year against good teams. I think Seattle is a perfect example where they could have won, but they didn't. They didn't because they didn't play sound football. And once again, you know, I really do think that lies on the shoulders of Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins made some pretty poor decisions early in that game that could have led to at the very least two field goals, which at the end of the day would have put them ahead of Seattle. And who knows, you, you win that game maybe. So, but yes, I completely agree. Washington has definitely – um, beaten in their wins this season, some sub 500 teams other than the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, 
And that needs to change because I'm telling you when the NFC East is healthy, when Saquon Barkley is back, when Dak Prescott is back, when the Dallas Cowboys, they, they lost two offensive linemen this season. When that offensive line is healthy, I can assure you, Washington, this is not going to be a division anymore where the winner is going to the playoffs at seven or eight wins. I'm telling you, don't get me wrong. No team is going at eight wins anymore this season. No, this, this I'm very aware this season, 2020, it is the NFC least. I get it. It's not a good division. It's not. It's also not a healthy division for any team. Most teams in this division have lost their key players at some point in the season. And right now Washington's going through that. Um, so it's unfortunate, but it's next man up mentality. So the bottom line is I really think Washington just needs to understand that. Take it a game at a time, though. Focus on the here and now. Focus on beating Philadelphia because that's all that matters. But I think a lot of questions are going to be answered about this football team come Sunday night and whether whether or not they have the grit to go out and beat a team that's not playing for anything, a team that has double-digit losses, a team that's not healthy. On paper, Washington should be able to win this game. They have more talent on both sides of the ball. They should be able to win. So I really do think they can win this game. I have Washington winning by six points. I think it's going to be a back-and-forth affair. It's a division rival. It's on the road. It's going to be chippy. Um, It's about playing sound football. It's about not committing stupid penalties. It's about not turning the football over, which to my liking, I've seen too much of in the past two weeks. So it's definitely about maintaining possession, long, sustained drives. And without question, obviously, the quarterback uh, situation that's going on in Washington right now is going to be a big part of that. Um, I really don't believe I would have to go deep into my stat history book for this one. But I don't think Taylor Heineke has been in a situation like this before. If he does end up getting the nod, uh, having the opportunity to play to clinch a division in a playoff berth. So I really, really hope Alex Smith is out there. I think he's definitely a little more comfortable in these situations. But I honestly, you know, it doesn't make a difference really for me if Washington is in or out. Um, because I do believe whoever makes the playoffs for the NFCs will lose in the first round. I just think that's kind of evident because um, I believe whoever does make it will either be playing Seattle, Los Angeles Rams, or the Tampa Bay Bucks. Um, those are three very, very good football teams. Washington has lost a two out of the three, and that's because Washington did not even play the Bucks this year. So um, it's going to be interesting to see. But I also do think getting in would be a great opportunity for Washington to show their true colors. I do think after what I saw against Pittsburgh, what I took from that is when they're healthy, when they're clicking on all cylinders, they can beat good football teams. And I really do believe that if they end up making it, they will have a home playoff game, no matter who that is against. And hey, go out there watch the film, do everything, do all the nitty gritty you got to do. And I think you can go out there and win. I mean, geez, I've seen it before. Saw it this year against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's got arguably some of the best receivers in all the NFL. They've got weapons all over the field and they barely even got to Ben Roethlisberger that whole game. So the bottom line is I do believe that Washington is going to be able to squeak in at seven and nine, four and two in the division. I think they'll find a way. 
Um, will they win in the first round? Unlikely. But I, I definitely think it's going to be something interesting to keep an eye on because I really do think they're going to be underestimated by basically the whole entire NFL world. Um, I really think they're going to be underlooked without question at seven and nine. So it's going to be interesting, but I do believe Washington pulls it off. We'll see. We'll see you Sunday night. We'll see Sunday night. It's going to be interesting. So now you folks know that Washington, they win, they're in, they lose the winner of the Giants Cowboys game earlier that afternoon on Sunday will be the NFC East winners and will make the playoffs. Philadelphia has already been eliminated from playoff contention after their loss last week against Dallas. Now, George, in the AFC, there are five teams, five teams sitting at 10 and five, the Cleveland Browns, the Baltimore Ravens, the Indianapolis Colts, the Miami Dolphins, and the Tennessee Titans. One of them will not make the playoffs. And currently, the Indianapolis Colts are on the outside looking in. George, I just want to get your thoughts Come the end of Sunday, week 17, what team do you believe is going to be on the outside looking in and going to unfortunately have to pack their bags with a 10-6 and six season? It's going to be really hard to see because there's so many different scenarios of what could happen, and we obviously don't know what's going to happen. If you would have told me, you know, that the with 19 seconds left of the, you know, Dolphins – uh, Raiders game with no timeouts. I would have told you there's no way the Dolphins come back to win that game. Well, when you're the Raiders and you decide to face mask the quarterback and leave, you know, a wide open receiver down the sidelines and give up 15 yards on top of the 35 yard pass and lose by a field goal, <laughs> you, you can't write these kinds of stories. Uh, it's almost so, like the Miami Dolphins have the best relief pitcher in all of football. I mean, it's like – it's a dynamic duo. I feel like Brian Flores can put in whoever he wants. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, they're playing the Bills, though. And I don't want to play the Bills right now. The Bills are hot. And the I Bills mean, have this this wide receiver. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but I, I think he's got the last name of Diggs. And I think he went to, like, this school – in the Maryland area somewhere around here. But, yeah, he's pretty good. I wouldn't want to really face him either. Yeah, I mean, he has the most reception and most yards in the NFL this season, but he, he's pretty bad. So um, you could say that. Um, but, but yeah, the Bills are really hot. They've, they've obviously clinched the division of the AFC East. But I've, 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 just to answer your question of who I don't think are going to get in, I don't think it's going to be the Colts. Uh, that's my answer. But if it's not going to be the Colts, I would say that it's not going to be the Dolphins. It's going to be one of the two that don't make it. Um, but we'll see. I mean, the the Ravens just kind of had the easiest last two weeks of the season out of all of those teams, so they, they'll probably get in. Um, but who knows? I mean, the Browns lost to the Jets. No one saw that coming. So we, we just, that's what I'm saying. We just don't know. It's down to the wire. But I, if I was a betting man, I would say that the Colts don't make it. Oh, yeah. I mean, a lot needs to happen for sure. And, you know, I could definitely see that happening. The Colts, unfortunately, sitting at 10-6, missing the postseason. But I really do think the Cleveland Browns are the team that really stirred the melting pot for this week. Uh, they had an opportunity to go in, clinch a berth against the New York Jets, they blew it. They laid an egg, to say the least. 
And honestly, that virtually gave Baltimore the easy way in. All they have to do now is beat Cincinnati, and the Baltimore Ravens are in. They control their own destiny, which is why I believe they will get in without question. Um, But for me, I believe the team that will be sitting outside will either be the Indianapolis Colts or the Miami Dolphins. The Indianapolis Colts take on the Tennessee Titans this week, and by golly, will that be a – oh, my goodness. That's not only for the division, but the loser – will probably not make it. Um, So that is a huge game for both teams. And I referenced the Dolphins because I really think it's just not easy to go up to Buffalo with or without fans in that environment against that team, against Josh Allen, against that defense. It's not going to be easy for them. Especially when they've been practicing in Miami and they're going up to Buffalo. I was about to say that's a bit of a temperature change, to say the least. That's, that's going to hurt when you get off that plane. Um, but the bottom line is I do believe that Miami does have enough uh, defensive talent to sustain Josh Allen and keep it close for a while. I just don't think that Tua um, has enough in his arsenal to be able to put up a lot of points throughout the game. Now, what did we see against Las Vegas? Brian Flores pulled a trick out of his hat. It worked. Ryan Fitzmagic came up at the very end. They won the game. They needed to win that game when you're looking at the standings now to stay in the fight. They are in the fight. So, I don't know. Maybe something last minute happens, and just for getting into the playoffs' sake, Flores decides to start Ryan Fitzpatrick. So, something like that may happen. And another thing I've thought of, I haven't heard any announcements like this yet, Um, any news being broken but they've clinched Buffalo is clinched they might not want to start Josh Allen Stefan Diggs for the full game they might only go a quarter a half you know some of their big name superstars might not want to play the whole game might not have the opportunity to play the whole game due to a coach's decision for rest you know and keep them healthy um, in that regard and more importantly the Chiefs clinched the one seed no one in the AFC can catch the Kansas City Chiefs in one week. It's over. That's over. So I really do think it's best for Buffalo, in my personal opinion, to keep some of those guys healthy, some of those guys that can really take you a long way in the postseason. But then again, you know, I'm not, I'm not the coach. I'm, I'm not up in the front, front office for them. So it's going to be interesting to see how they go about it. But It would be a shame, as you said, George, because, you know, a team like the Colts, you know, and a team like the Dolphins, they've had such good seasons. And it's, gosh, it's going to stink to not to see one of them in the postseason. Unfortunately, I do believe one of them is going to get the boot. Uh, I really don't think, you know. But then again, I I don't know. It it would be so weird if Tennessee lost to Indianapolis because then they would be sitting on the outside. And to think a team like that with A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry not making the post, that's just – that's ludicrous. That's ludicrous. I could not see that happening. So it's just I really do believe that it's going to be the Dolphins uh, probably headed back down to Miami, Florida, getting their golf season started a little early this year. But, you know, they've had a heck of a season, and they are definitely, definitely trending upward. Uh, for the 2021 season. They are a team to be reckoned with. That AFC East is no longer uh, New England's division, without question. So 
it's going to be a fun division to watch in the future between Buffalo and Miami. But unfortunately, because the Browns lost to the Jets, I believe that Miami is going to be the team on the outside looking in. Again, we'll see on Sunday. I mean, it's yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm I'm looking forward. It's going to be action packed of just news coming in all day, clinch scenarios. So definitely something to keep out, look out for. But as we kind of conclude our show here, I am going to repeat to George our Terrapin trivia question that we started the show out with. So for you folks that just tuned in to listen here, here was the question, George. Last night the Maryland Terrapins men's basketball team beat the number six Wisconsin Badgers on the road. When was the last time Maryland's men basketball beat a top 10 opponent on the road? This was the first time they've done it in the big 10. I know that. That is correct. So, so we're going back to ACC. That is correct. And, and honestly, I, I can't, this is tough because top 10 on the road, but I'm going to go with my gut. Not a fan of theirs. I'm, I know we've beaten them down in their home turf of Cameron Indoor Stadium. I'm going with the Duke Blue Devils. That is a very, very good guess. However, that is incorrect. Okay. That, that is incorrect. The last time Maryland beat a top 10 team, was in 2008 when they upset the number one North Carolina Tar Heels, 82-80 to in Chapel Hill. Prior to that game, the Terps had lost 17 consecutive true road games against Associated Press top 10 teams. So that was a huge win for the program, but you had everything right leading up to that uh, guess uh, for Duke. Yeah, but I was thinking right it was the, down the street. Yeah, I was thinking it was the 2012 game with Alex Len, but – Yep. I guess they weren't top 10 that game. I guess they must have been 12 or 13 in the country. I just couldn't remember the actual ranking. Yeah, when I originally thought of it, too, I thought it was the Duke game with Gravis Vasquez. That's, that, originally, that's what I thought it was. But then, you know, when making the trivia question, I looked it up, and I was, I was kind of blown away, too. Was that the Tyler Hansborough team? That was the Tyler Hansborough team. Yes. Okay. So it was, it was a huge deal. That was Ty Lawson, Tyler Hansborough. That was a – that was a huge deal for the Terps to go down to yep. Chapel Hill and win that game for sure in the Dean Dome. So that is this week's episode of Turpulence, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in. Both George and I wish you a happy new year, and we will see you next week on Turpulence here on WMUC Sports.